Welcome to Muffly Auto, a Harry Potter podcast where I fill your ears to prevent you from hearing nearby conversations. I'm Josh, and today, for the first time, I am flying solo as we explore one of the books in the Hogwarts library, The Tales of Beetle the Bard. Now, Blake has uh, finally allowed me to do one of these episodes solo. Just kidding. That's not at all how it worked. But Blake is uh, quite busy at the moment. He is finishing up his very last assignment in his teacher education program. Uh, And so by the time that this episode goes live, Blake will have finished and submitted that assignment. So uh, we're all very excited here in the uh, Muffliato family for Blake and for this next step in his uh, teaching journey, to use the parlance. Uh, But this gives me an opportunity to talk about a book that I took out of my school's library. Um, Now, I have never before read uh, this book. Um, it's it's called The Tales of Beetle the Bard. Uh, and I thought I'd just go through a bit of an overview of uh, the Hogwarts Library, as it is known. Uh, now, the Hogwarts Library uh, includes three, three books. Uh, and these three books are all books that are referenced within the Harry Potter canon, within the uh, seven books themselves. So the first two are probably the, the more famous. Uh, and then the second and then the third one, which I'll, I'll talk about more uh, later, uh, is the one we'll focus on today. So the first book is is called Quidditch Through the Ages, and the second book is called Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Now, both these books were published under a pen name. The first one was published under the name Kenilworthy Whisp, who is a Quidditch commentator. Uh, and the second book, of course, is written by Newt Scamander. Interestingly enough, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them uh, is mentioned as a uh, set book for all students to have in uh, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone as part of the list of books and equipment. And yet, we have no indication of what class that book is used in. We might assume that it's used in Care of Magical Creatures, uh, and yet we don't see Harry in that class until his third year when he takes it with uh, Hagrid. Um, so we're not quite sure exactly what's going on there, but that is the the textbook that all students are required to have. It seems like the standard textbook um, written, of course, by our good friend Newt Scamander. Now, for more information on that, you can go into the recent and still ongoing film series, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. And of course, the lead character, Newt Scamander, is in there. Um, so both these books were published in 2001. From the best indications I've found, it seems as though the books were primarily sold as a set of bit of a Hogwarts library set. And these books were published with 80% of the proceeds going to Comic Relief, a well-known UK charity. And these books were published during a bit of a dry spell in the Harry Potter um, universe. So these books were published in 2001, which was in between uh, The Goblet of Fire being released and Order of the Phoenix being released. There were three years, three full years between these two books being published. And and before this had happened, the, the first three books had come out in consecutive years. The, the first four books, sorry, had come out in consecutive years, 97, 98, 99, and 2000. And then there was a break until 2003 with Order of the Phoenix. And so in 2001, these two books were published. I'm not going to attribute any kind of motives as far as satiating the, the Harry Potter uh, reading populace with these books, but perhaps they did some of that as well. And so for um, another six years, no book was added to the Hogwarts library until 2007 after the release of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows when the Tales of Beetle the Bard was um, published. Um, and so this book includes the most famous of the tales, which is called The Tale of the Three Brothers, um, which 
happens and and is part of uh, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, as well as an additional four other tales um, written by uh, Beetle the Bard. Um, Those tales include The Wizard and the Hopping Pot, uh, The Fountain of Fair Fortune, The Warlock's Hairy Heart, and Babbity Rabbity and Her Cackling Stump. Uh, Three of those, uh, The Wizard and the Hopping Pot, The Fountain of Fair Fortune, and Babbity Rabbity are also mentioned by name in um, the Deathly Hallows, but the fourth, the Warlock's Hairy Heart, is is not. So that's a brand new one, as it were. Now, what do we know about the name Beetle the Bard? Well, um, his name may refer to the medieval historian, the Venerable Bede. The Venerable Bede was known as the father of English history, and so perhaps that was where the idea of Beetle comes from. And then the Bard is, without a doubt, a nod to uh, William Shakespeare, who was known as the Bard. So you kind of have these two two forces brought together, Venerable Bede and uh, William Shakespeare, these two giants in English literature, and J.K. Rowling uses that as the the title for uh, this book. Now, this book is, is laid out in a really interesting interesting way. Quite different from the other two books. The Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them is, is something like a textbook, um, and Quidditch Through the Ages is very, very short, especially in its first publishing, just around 56 pages, I believe. And and again, that's that's a um, a bit of a textbook type approach as well. But but this is a really interesting, this is almost like a, a, a critical a, addition to the fairy tales or the uh, wizard tales, as, as it were. Um, and, and it includes not only a fresh translation of the runes, it's said that Hermione Granger makes the translation, um, but it also includes a commentary by Albus Dumbledore. Now, now, why this is really interesting is that when we look at the first mention of the Tales of Beetle the Bard in Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, um, it occurs in the seventh chapter of that book and in the chapter called The Will of Albus Dumbledore. In that scene, uh, Harry, Ron, and Hermione are meeting with the newly appointed uh, Minister for Magic, and he is going over Albus Dumbledore's will with them. Uh, and all three of them are left items, and I'll just read the, comp- the, the, the portion referring to Hermione's um, item. It says in Albus Dumbledore's will, To Miss Hermione Jean Granger, I leave my copy of The Tales of Beetle the Bard, in the hope that she will find it entertaining and instructive. Scrimger now pulled out of the bag a small book that looked as ancient as the copy of Secrets of the Darkest Art upstairs. Its binding was stained and peeling in places. Hermione took it from Scrimger without a word. She held the book in her lap and gazed at it. Harry saw that the title was in runes. He had never learned to read them. As he looked, a tear splashed on the embossed symbols. Why do you think Dumbledore left you that book, Miss Granger? asked Scrimger. He he knew I liked books, said Hermione in a thick voice, mopping her eyes with her sleeve. But why that particular book? I don't know. He must have thought I'd enjoy it. Did you ever discuss codes or any means of passing secret messages with Dumbledore? No, I didn't, said Hermione, still wiping her eyes on her sleeve. And if the Ministry hasn't found any codes in this book in 31 days, I doubt that I will. She suppressed a sob. They were wedged together so tightly that Ron had difficulty extracting his arm to put it around Hermione's shoulders. Scrimger returned back to the will. Later, when the the trio is alone up in the attic at the burrow, 
Ron is outraged that no one has ever heard of these books, especially knowing Hermione. And, and he was the one who mentions them, that that all of the old kid stories, again, quoting here, are supposed to be Beatles, aren't they? The Fountain of Fair Fortune, The Wizard in the Hopping Pot, Babbity Rabbity and her Cackling Stump. Um, and, and he equates them. And, and it seems like these stories are as famous in the wizarding world as Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, uh, Cinderella, and all the like. So that's that's where this book comes in. And the the more famous part of, of the story that deals with it is in a later chapter where we actually hear um, the retelling of the story of the three brothers by Xenophilius Lovegood as they are in the midst of researching the Deathly Hallows. And of course, that's what that most famous story deals with. Now, it, it's as if in this edition, J.K. Rowling is saying that that Hermione is the one who is is working with others at Hogwarts to republish this this book afresh. It's a it's a new translation, and it's it's done with the notes from Albus Dumbledore. And remember, in uh, that copy, he has handwritten notes, and that becomes the commentary portion of of the book. So so the format of this book then you have the the, the telling of the tale, um, followed by a few pages of comment by um, Albus Dumbledore. One of the things that's interesting about Beetle the Bard is that uh, a lot of the stories, uh, and especially in Albus Dumbledore's comments, are are very pro-Muggle. Um, and, and he makes the comment, again, as it were, as if it were a, a critical edition, um, commenting on um, the, the the reliability of of this edition. Um, he he's talking about how some elements of of Beatles originals didn't make it down to the present day because they were they were censored. In, in another section, he's he's talking about the Fountain of Fair Fortune, and in that tale, a a, a witch marries a uh, a Muggle knight, and um, there's a recorded letter conversation with Lucius Malfoy, where Lucius um, sends his frustration and anger that Draco should have to go to school uh, at a place that has a a book promoting intermarriage between Muggles and um, and and magical people, um, and and so this. Is, is kind of a recurring theme throughout the book. Um, lots of um, really positive depictions of muggles and negative depictions of witches and wizards who are not willing to to help muggles. So just briefly, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of an overview about the the, the tales uh, because their titles really do leave you wondering what on earth is going on here. Um, and so the first one, The Wizard and the Hopping Pot, uh, tells a story of an elderly man who is very kindly disposed towards the muggles in his town who, who dies um, and leaves his son a cauldron which he used to uh, help the people of the town. Um, now, when the son um, receives this gift and after his father is uh, dead, he makes the decision that he is no longer going to help the people of the town. And so what happens is, is that the, um, the, the cauldron begins to take on the, the illnesses and the distresses of the village. It sprouts boils. It starts crying out like a baby who needs help, um, does all these things. And it also sprouts a foot um, and it starts banging loudly all throughout the house. And it is just making an absolute racket um, until one day, the um, the wizard decides to um, change his, his behavior. He starts to help people. Um, and all of a sudden, he remembers that one of the things that he was given along with the pot was a small package that has a slipper for the um, hopping pot and for the foot on the hopping pot. So he is able to kind of redeem himself in that way and, and help people. And now the hopping pot is something like a friend uh, to him and with him as he helps uh, the village again. Um, the next tale is the Fountain of Fair Fortune. Uh, in this tale, um, there is a magical fountain um, which is able to um, heal people of, of their sickness, sadness, 
misfortune, etc. Um, there are three sisters who are witches. Um, each one has a different problem. And when they uh, try and breach the fountain, it's something like a town competition, um, they end up taking with them a, a knight. Um, and the four of them are together. And in this magical world, as they approach the fountain, um, they each have their um, illness or um, issues um, dealt with um, before they get to the fountain. And so they decide, let us um, allow the knight to go into the fountain. And he is able to receive a, uh, a benefit from the fountain rather than than them doing that. And so long story short, the, the knight ends up marrying one of the three sisters. This was probably the, the story that I found least least captivating, least interesting. Um, the Warlock's Harry Heart, the only story not mentioned in the book is about a, a warlock. And I found this story quite fascinating. A warlock, um, a, a powerful wizard um, in duels, that's kind of the um, the textual note that's in the in the book. Um, the, this warlock is so fearful of, of loving and so fearful of, of getting into a relationship that he ends up performing some kind of dark magic where he brings his um, heart outside of his body and locks it in a cage. Um, and I won't spoil the ending because it's quite a, a gruesome and um, plot twist ending at the end, but safe to say things do not end well for the woman who seeks his affection. So wizard and the hairy heart. The fourth tale, I won't spend any time on the fifth tale, which is the tale of three brothers, because you can read it in the Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, but Babbity Rabbity and the Cackling Stump, or and her Cackling Stump, was probably my favorite story of them all. It's perhaps one of the first introductions to the idea of transfiguration, not, sorry, not of transfiguration, of, of the field of transfiguration known as um, an animagus, where Babbity is a witch who turns into, funnily enough, a rabbity, um, or just a regular rabbit and is able to escape the clutches of a, a king who feels that he has been wronged by uh, Babbity. So really, really good story. And Albus Dumbledore makes the comment that this is the story that um, deals with magic in its most real sense as they know it in um, the Harry Potter world. So that's that's a bit of an overview of of the tales. I just wanted to give a, a brief kind of review of of what I thought of them. Um, I I really enjoyed it. This was the first time that I had read a new piece of of, of the Harry Potter world since I read Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. Um, now, of course, we we all know that 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 book is a a play which, which has many detractors and many proponents. So I won't get into the controversy surrounding that. But that was well over. Um, five years ago. I have not read a new piece of Harry Potter literature since then. And it was just so great to to get back into that world and read something fresh for the first time. Um, these these stories are not all of them equal in in quality. Some of them are are more more interesting than others. It does at times feel like they're trying to stretch stretch the book um, to make it a, kind of a, an average book length. I think it ends up coming out right around 150 uh, pages. But several of the tales are, are really interesting. And it's just so refreshing to be able to read something for the first time. So with that in mind, I likely will read the, the other two books, Quidditch for the Ages and Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, and maybe do a similar episode with or without Blake, not quite sure. But as we get to the Deathly Hallows and as we spend some time there, uh, perhaps we'll dive back into the tales of Beetle the Bard and tell some of the stories in a bit more uh, depth. So thanks for listening to today's episode. To support the podcast and keep the magic alive, you can leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. You can also support us financially at www.buymeacoffee.com. 
slash mufflyautopod. And to send us questions on our Instagram, email, or website, go to mufflyautopodcast.com. To continue the adventure, join us next time as we discuss the 14th chapter of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, The Unforgivable Curses.